people nowadays are looking for truth and some of them are not relevant and some are relevant in this episode we will see what is the reformation and how does this truth brought a big contribution to church history this is the faith library podcast Hey everyone, this is Aaron from Faith Library, and now we are officially a podcast. And I think this is one of the surprises that uh, I want to share it to you guys, since uh, I had be- I've been busy, and then I have work, and then um, uh, time constraints, because I'm busy also with ministry and all in church. So I had the time to, well, did a, a little research about podcasts, and I found an app my friend, um, one of my friends uh, referred me to this. Thank you, Jeff Lucas, for, anyway, if you can hear this. <laughs> Thank you for uh, leading me to this app. And then, by on, then I kind of think of a different kind of feel in Faith Library because I feel that it's a bit more, um, it's a bit more, as you can say, formal instead of, you know, reaching in all segments, especially to the youth nowadays. Now, we are in this episode of the Reformation, and um, many people are not aware of what the Reformation is, or maybe church history, and what we are believing, why why believe in our faith, and why believe in the things that we are believing in. And I'm thankful that because we have Pastor James Reiner Chu uh, recorded his talk about this for us. Pastor James Reiner Chu is the pastor, lead pastor and a church planter at Pilgrim Community Church. He has a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids that are fun to be with and very cute at the same time. And he made time to record about the Reformation. And I think if you're going to listen, he mentioned it um, is the 501st because he recorded this a year ago because it was a plan to upload this a year ago. But, well, uh, it has postponed and this will be the very first episode. And so the previous episodes, I'll try to edit it as much as possible if I have time to recall all the episodes that have been and to the people that have been guests from Reverend Jonathan Ong to Pastor Ken Santos Edad and from Indigenous Philippines that I had a great interview and a great time with all of them. So here it is. Recorded from last year, Pastor James Brian Chur about the Reformation. If you have any questions, feel free to ask in comment below, or if you have, if you can follow us, follow us and then leave a comment, leave a message, and we would love to hear from you guys. Now, this is a talk about the Reformation. So let me start with a little bit about me. Uh, I'm married to Karen. We have two small kids, Katie, who's six, and Knox, who's two. I'm the pastor of Pilgrim Community Church uh, in Katipunan, Quezon City, which we planted in 2011. I've been a Christian all my life. Uh, I'm a third-generation believer. Uh, Grew up attending uh, Sunday school, uh, church, uh, but was never really serious about my faith. Um, I uh, went to Catholic school, uh, and so um, it was like a pendulum swing, one side to the other. Um, On Sundays, um, I'm Protestant. Uh, On other days, um, I try to uh, fit in with with my friends. Uh, It was um, not until um, my university days um, 
at De La Salle uh, when I got serious about the faith. Um, I majored in philosophy, so uh, I had a lot of questions uh, that needed answers, uh, and that uh, pushed me to uh, look more into uh, the faith of my forefathers, uh, got involved with campus ministry. Uh, after college, um, I had uh, my own period of uh, wandering in the wilderness, uh, so to speak, um, a season of uh, rebellion and, and trying to run away from God. Um, but uh, that season did end. I bottomed out and found uh, that God's relentless grace uh, and mercy um, never stopped uh, pursuing um, one like me. Uh, and so in uh, 2008, uh, heeding a call uh, to the ministry that I uh, felt, uh, I had uh, as early as 2002 or three. Uh, in 2008, finally entered BSOP um, and uh, graduated 2011 with my Master's uh, in Divinity, uh, Biblical Studies. Um, after that, we planted a church, uh, but I was clueless, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so it was very providential that in 2012, I got invited to uh, join uh, Redeemer City to City's uh, first Asian intensive. It was a uh, church planting training, um, an intensive church planting training, uh, which was conducted in Southeast Asia. I am passionate about a few things, uh, well, many things, a few of them being church planting, uh, preaching, uh, theology, church history, and, of course, coffee. So what is the Reformation? Um, this year, we're celebrating the 501st uh, year anniversary of uh, Martin Luther's uh, Reformation, we can say, uh, when uh, on October 31st in 1517, uh, uh, this uh, Augustinian monk, uh, troubled by the abuses of um, the Roman Catholic Church, particularly uh, in the sales of indulgences, which were pieces of paper uh, that promised um, time off of purgatory. Uh, this Augustinian monk, who was really a scholar, um, nailed uh, 95 uh, theses. Uh, it was a document containing 95 statements um, on uh, the door of uh, the castle church in Wittenberg. Um, it was not really dramatic. He did it um, as, like I said, a scholar. That's what scholars would do. They would uh, The church doors served as their bulletin boards, if you will. And so he was nailing a document uh, on the door, uh, and he was inviting uh, other scholars to engage him um, and in discussion, dialogue, and debate over these things. Uh, but... Uh, in God's uh, providence, uh, that document, which was originally written in Latin, uh, was taken by other people um, and translated into German. Uh, and um, it was reproduced uh, using uh, uh, what was uh, cutting-edge technology at the time, uh, the movable type printing press. Uh, and uh, 
this document just spread like wildfire in Germany and subsequently uh, in, in the rest of Europe. Um, the Reformation, uh, we can say, uh, or the Protestant Reformation was a movement uh, in uh, the 16th and 17th century where um, Christians, uh, Martin Luther and, and those after him, other reformers, um, even in Geneva and in, uh, in the British Isles, uh, worked towards recovering uh, two things, um, two main things. The first is a recovery of the pure uh, doctrine of Scripture, uh, in particular, uh, the gospel. Uh, and so one of Martin Luther's big things uh, was the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Um, according to him, uh, it was uh, the article of faith on which the church stood or fell. Um, if we affirm anything apart from justification by faith alone, uh, there is no hope there. There is um, only condemnation because that would be a false gospel. And so Martin Luther uh, worked hard. Uh, the other reformers worked hard uh, in recovering and preaching uh, the gospel. Um, a lot of things uh, went into this, of course, the translation of Scripture uh, into the common language, uh, which until that time was only in Latin, only accessible to the scholars. Uh, and so you have, for example, the doctrine of perspicuity, that the Scriptures are clear, um, it's clear enough for scholars to read and understand, uh, but but never exhaust. But it's also clear enough for little kids to pick up and read and understand um, the story of the gospel. Um, and so, in contrast to what was the prevailing uh, view of the time uh, in the Roman Church, where they had um, sacred scripture. Uh, on par with sacred tradition, uh, Martin Luther says uh, said no. Um, the scriptures alone are our final authority. It's not the it's not the only authority in the Christian life. Um, your pastors, your leaders, they are spiritual authorities over you, but they are under the scriptures. Uh, the creeds and confessions they are spiritual authorities that summarize. Um, what the church and, and you should be believing, uh, but this uh, does not hold the same authority as the scriptures. Only the scriptures uh, take the place of the norming norm. All other uh, lawful uh, authorities, like your pastors, your church leaders, um, your elders, uh, the creeds and confessions of the church, these are normed norms. These are um, authorities uh, insofar as they derive that authority from uh, Holy Scripture. So that's the first thing, um, the recovery um, of the gospel, uh, the translation of Scripture uh, into the vernacular, into the language of the people, and putting Bibles into the hands of the common people. Um, the other thing is worship. Um, and so uh, the Reformers... Um, were concerned uh, with what constituted right worship. 
Uh, now, in the re in the Reformation tradition, there is a principle called the regulative principle of worship, uh, which states that um, our worship uh, of God um, should uh, naturally uh, be on God's terms, which means to say that the scriptures, again, our final authority, uh, are what should norm or regulate or guide uh, the kind of worship uh, that we should render to God. After all, if He is really God, if He is really sovereign, uh, then it is, it is His prerogative, it is His uh, right uh, to demand the kind of worship that is acceptable to Him. And so, uh, in a nutshell, that really is uh, what the Reformation was all about. It was a recovery of pure doctrine on the one hand, uh, but also it was a recovery, uh, if you will, of the right way um, to do church um, in terms of public worship, in terms of uh, the kind of meetings that were conducted, in terms of the role uh, of the pastor, um, the role of the deacons, uh, the role of the church members. Um, for the first time in history, uh, well, for the first time in a, in a long time in history, uh, the Bible became accessible to the common people. People now can read it for themselves. They can now actually uh, take on a Berean spirit to search the scriptures to see whether what they are taught um, are actually what the Bible teaches. And so there is that... Um, reform and, and, and renewal um, of the whole life of the church. And this is what we commemorate um, whenever uh, October 31 uh, rolls around. As Protestants, we are grateful to God uh, for the Protestant Reformation and uh, for how He has used godly people before us um, to recover the gospel uh, and to put His word um, back in the hands of his people. What is the importance of knowing our roots today? Well, it, there, there's a lot of uh, good that can come out of actually studying church history, actually uh, looking into what believers before us um, uh, believed and taught and even uh, fought for. Uh, the reason for this is because as Christians, we are not... Um, the first ones to open the Bible and to read God's Word, uh, we stand in a long line um, of uh, faithful men and women uh, endowed with the Holy Spirit uh, who have um, sought to read and meditate uh, and to comment upon the Scriptures. And so uh, knowing uh, this, uh, that we have this rich heritage from which to draw from, uh, this should be uh, a comfort for us. We, sh we should actually maximize this. We should actually uh, read more church history. We should actually um, allow the interpretation of uh, believers before us um, to confirm our own uh, study and understanding of the scriptures. Uh, and so uh, my uh, so my recommendation is for people to actually um, get into church history more. And I don't just mean look at uh, the history of your own church, uh, 
uh, but to go beyond that, to go beyond um, who planted your church, who were the founders of your church, uh, and see uh, where your church actually uh, stands in uh, this long uh, tradition um, of uh, biblical Christianity. And when you do so, you will find that uh, there are uh, so many uh, faithful uh, pastors and, and thinkers and theologians uh, that Jesus has actually given to his church. And, and it is to our detriment that we actually neglect them. Um, the writings, for example, of people like um, Augustine, uh, of course, uh, the reformers, uh, John Calvin, uh, Martin Luther, uh, John Knox, uh, and, and a host of many other, the English Puritans. Uh, there's so much there uh, to enrich our um, own experience of, of the Christian life and ministry of today. Last question, uh, what relevance does it bring to our lives today? Uh, I'm assuming the question has to do again with church history. Uh, and, and church history, I think, uh, should not be seen just as a subject to study uh, because really this is our family history. Uh, whenever families gather around, when they have reunion, uh, reunions, the older generations, uh, when they have the opportunity, they like to bring out um, uh, the, the photo album of the family and tell them you know, their history, uh, what has gone before, who is so-and-so, uh, how have they, um, uh, their experiences shaped uh, what we experience today? Uh, well, there's a saying that goes, uh, those who uh, neglect history uh, are doomed to repeat uh, the mistakes of history or, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but of course, that's, that's the enduring significance of, of studying uh, the history of uh, recalling, for example, um, the great uh, events uh, and, and milestones uh, of the Protestant Ref Reformation in the 16th and 17th centuries. So there you have it. Thank you, Pastor James, for sharing with us the importance of the Reformation, the importance of what we know about church history and the importance of what we must do now in this age. And I hope that you're blessed with what you heard from today. And I hope that you would follow us on Facebook. It is Faith Library Official. If I'm not corrected, facebook.com slash Faith Library Official. And like us. And if you have any comment, comment down below so that so that we can furthermore improve maybe or we would love to hear from you your thoughts about the reformation thoughts about your faith and anything and also maybe the things that you wanted to hear in this podcast so this is Aaron I'm thank you for listening I hope that you had a great time and God bless